I was just wondering right before I came in here, what percentage of married couples meet in first grade? I don't know. It's got to be pretty small. Yeah, I would imagine because you don't hear a lot about married couples meeting, you know, in elementary school and then getting married later. Sometimes couples meet in junior high school and they get married later or high school and they're with each other until they get out of high school. And then they get divorced? No, they get married. Gotcha. Well, you said they're with each other. Until I, I meant to say get married. Gotcha. Too. Not just with each other, but actually getting married. Did you Did you look that up? I was trying to, and somebody answered on Google. Well, first I typed in what percentage of married couples meet in grade school, because mm -hmm. I thought that I'd narrow it down. Yeah. There, Somebody answered the question... A question and said that 28% of married couples met in an educational setting. Okay. But that could mean grad school or college, High not school. necessarily first grade. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And to myself, mm -hmm. I think, imagine you go into your first day of first grade and you meet the love of your life. Yeah. Or vice versa. You go into first grade and you meet somebody who is going to abuse and torture you until the day you die. Hmm. That's not something I want to think about, but okay. You're past first grade now, I see. I'm past first. I'm way past first grade. Good. I'm a full-grown adult, bub. Yeah, really grown. Hey. Yeah, you're really grown up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know why my mind went there, though. Yeah. I imagine it happens more in rural areas. I don't know if it really matters if it happens in real, rural areas or not. Because there are people that end up marrying the girl next door or the guy next door. Mm. You know, um, you know, they were always they always loved each other but didn't know it until much later. So I don't know. Um yeah, and people have different experiences where they could meet their first love in, for example, their freshman year of high school, but the other person didn't reciprocate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 different for everybody. And then eventually, something happens and they get together. Yeah, or they don't. But yeah. if but if, since we're talking about people getting together and eventually getting married, then um, I think it's a small percentage of people. Um, meeting each other in first grade and becoming the loves of each other's lives. and Yeah, I don't think it happens that often, but um, I was just curious about it. Someone did tell me once, actually it was one of my exes who said that I was the type of girl, which I thought was actually a big compliment, that I was the type of girl that boys would dream about in first grade. <laughs> and I thought, that's interesting. I didn't think of myself that way, but I thought it was a compliment. Uh-oh. Interesting. Uh, uh, maybe I should clarify it. I He said that I was the type of girl that um, little boys in first grade would dream about getting married to, is what he said. Okay. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I did not know you when I was that young. Maybe that explains why I didn't have any fantasies about you. At that that was a different guy, Bubs. I know. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Okay. I would put it to you this way. When I was in first grade, no offense, I was not dreaming about Alana J-Lo. Well, you didn't know who I was. That's what I just said, uh, babes. I know. I was you were older than me. <sighs> so, 
book. What? Really? You were like in third grade? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, about third grade. Okay, so if I get to relive my life knowing what I know now, and I know that's like a constant theme in my fantasies, and I could convince my parents to move to Hawaii and get into the same school as you when I'm in first grade, do you think I would have had a shot? No. <laughs> not 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 when I was that young. Oh. Now, had you um been able to go to the blind school across the river, then I don't know. Well, if I relive this life, if I get an infinite number of times to relive this life, because if I can only do it once, I'm not going to concentrate on that. But if I get like an infinite, I, I could get to relive it as many times as I want and build knowledge, then one of the lifetimes I'll dedicate to doing something like that. Uh -oh. Does that sound good to you? Not really. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just, did, I, just don't know, I just don't know how it would turn out. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know either, be It's a little bit wishy. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and who knows? We might not have even gotten along at all. Yeah, but... I would have thought you were uh, too into yourself and... Oh, but again, we're talking about the fantasy. I get to relive my life. I'll have all this knowledge and I'll become a master flute player by the time I... A master that. flute Yeah, player. why not? Oh, wow. And then I'll say... Winning the heart of another flutist. I'll be like, do you play flute? I'll be like, I play a little bit of flute. And then just blow your mind. Wow. Playing songs that haven't been recorded I was yet. in something like an orchestra. I used to conduct. Yeah, and then, and then you have all these elaborate claims, and then you actually prove me... Um, I You prove me wrong because I'm skeptical at first. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, except that wouldn't happen well if i get to relive this life as Wait. many times as i want then might yeah but realistically it's not going to happen how do you know realistically who's to say we should even exist ah, we should, no okay. i'm saying that we should not do we oh bubs you got your you, you're going down a very very strange rabbit hole what do you think i do that's my bread and butter. Is rabbit trail, rabbit, rabbit hole, whatever you want to call it. Oh, my goodness. You're chasing a rabbit that will not be found. I don't know, babes. Chasing invisible rabbit. <laughs> when you were in the shower, huh? I checked out the book Black Like Me yeah. from the Libby app, which is connected to the libraries. The Libby app? Yes. Okay. I don't know why they got rid of, what was it called before? Overdrive? Yeah. I didn't know that they, they got rid of it at all. They did. Really? Yes. Huh. And they replaced it with Libby. Oh, that's interesting. When did that happen? Uh, I found out about that about a year ago, but I'm assuming it happened before then mm -hmm. because for about a year and a half, mm -hmm. I could not log into OverDrive and I was trying to figure it out. And then mm -hmm. I would go to the library and find out that they switched to Libby. Really? Yeah. So... I remember this clearly. I was trying to check out the book about a boy after we watched it in yeah. like early 2021. Yep. And I, w I was having issues logging in, mm -hmm. but of course the libraries weren't completely open then. So yeah, that's true. Uh, I found out later about Libby. And plus Libby. I have other resources for books. Are you, you're filling yourself. My pants. Okay. It's nothing disgusting like that. What are you trying to do? I was trying to see if this was wrinkly enough. I, I, I hope it's, it's not looking wrinkly or anything oh you can always switch pants i know does it look wrinkly to you it's hard to tell okay. I'm, I'm sure mine are wrinkly but i'm a guy so okay well maybe it's a, maybe it's not too bad i don't know if you want to switch you can 
No, no, it's okay. I might, I might just wear this. You know, you, I could show you off as my uh, candy, my arm candy. I'm not arm candy enough. No, I'm just saying, babes. Mm -hmm. You know, shorts and whatnot and tank top. No, bubs. What? We're going to something else after the... I know. I have to look somewhat pre presentable. Uh oh, you must have preventable. Presentable. <laughs> not, pre <laughs> not preventable. Nice. <laughs> well, in any event. Any event. I checked out the book and started reading it. Or listening, rather. And it's pretty interesting so far. Really? Yeah, John Howard Griffin wrote it. And he goes to New Orleans and takes these treatments to become black. Or I guess to dye his skin would be a better way of putting it. But he, at the beginning, he says something like, and I remember walking this area as a blind guy. Huh? Yeah. So what? then I go on a blind share, uh -huh. and apparently he has a book about blindness as well. So Whoa. I don't know if that was something he was faking or something That's, that he actually uh, had happened wow, to I, him. I had no idea that, um, hmm. You'll have, to, you'll have to let me know what you find because I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So so I didn't even know that there were treatments to um, temporarily um, increase your melanin. Well, he went to a doctor who specialized in working with patients with vitiligo. Okay. And so that's how they were able to do the stuff to his skin. Oh. I researched John Howard Griffin, and he died in 1980. Oh, wow. There were a lot of rumors that he died from skin cancer because of the treatments from the book. Ooh. But apparently, his family said no, it was complications from diabetes. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's interesting so far. And how old was this guy when he did this? I'm guessing he was around 39. Really? Yeah, he decides to be black for lack of a better term for about six weeks mm. and he's just starting to experience life as a black person he talks about going and renting a hotel room and it's basically just this small room with a bed but he said that it's pretty clean so were the mm. bathrooms okay he talks about riding the bus mm -hmm. and a white woman is standing even though there's a seat next to him and mm -hmm. he stands up to try to give her the seat mm -hmm. but all the black people look at him strange because the the philosophy he gauges is that well if she wants to sit down she can but you just giving her your seat when there's a free one is kind of weird yeah so he sits back down mm -hmm gestures to her and the seat next to him and says you can sit down here and then she turns around and starts saying something like they're really uppity now and you know and she's referring to black people mm -hmm. that starts a whole discussion now he had been in new orleans for i think a week or two and went to the shoe sign place to get his shoes worked on by another black guy which is relevant because he goes back there the guy doesn't recognize him. He gets up on the chair. Guy starts working on his shoes. And he says, do you recognize these shoes? And the guy's like, I see a lot of shoes. And he tells him his name. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, these these are the things we've talked about. And the guy slaps his knee and starts laughing. And he explains to him the assignments. Mm -hmm. And says, I want a job here so I can observe people. Mm -hmm. The guy says, I'm going to have to talk to my boss when he gets back. Boss comes back. They tell him the story. He lets him work there, and I'm just at the part where the boss made them lunch. 
Okay. Yeah. And I should also say, before the boss got there, the guy who was shining his shoes said, the hair on your hands doesn't look right. You should go and shave it. Oh, so wow. he goes to this bar, yeah. finds out that it's segregated, yeah. and has to go to the back to the bathroom. Oh, and uh, shave it? Yeah, like a blacks-only bathroom to save his oh, arm. Wow. So it's good stuff. Or the back of his hand, rather. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's an interesting book. Huh. What do you think about this so far? Um, Interesting. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, It is interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, 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 a few people knew that he was on assignment. Yes, but he tried to keep it on the DL. How many people knew about it? Well, the doctor. Yeah. The people at the magazine who were buying some articles from him, mm-hmm. and I guess the shoe shine dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he was staying at a friend's house, and then he just walked out in the middle of the night. Wow. Um, and his friends knew that something was up because his skin was getting darker, but they didn't exactly know, they didn't know what, why, what yeah. was going on. Right. And then he said, it's better that you don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also tells a story about how when he first got to New Orleans and was white, he would go into this convenience store every night and chat with this one lady and buy cigarettes from her. Mm-hmm. And then after he had made the transition, he goes back and he said that she wasn't rude or anything, but there was no small talk. Wow. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of ignored him. Well, she took the money and she got the order for him. But but he didn't really, but she didn't talk to him. Exactly. Like he, like she would usually. Mm-hmm. So That's so, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting stuff they had. Yeah, whoa. Oh. Yeah. I think I remember once Oprah doing something about a white guy who took some pills to make himself look black. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, even though this is a different experiment, um, I keep thinking about the one, and I think I, I, I know I've mentioned this in another podcast episode about the lady that was crazy enough to um, pour bleach in her eyes to make herself uh, uh, blind. Yeah, that lady sounds to me like she had some serious she is psychological cray, issues. Cray, cray. And, and she said that she would do something called blind simming where she would be in public with sleep shades and a cane. That made me so mad. Mm. Because of the people that are, are um, learning mobility that are low vision and they have to um, practice with sleep shades on. Mm-hmm. Um, or people that don't wear sleep shades but they're um, they're totally blind and they, they need to rely on their cane skills. It, it really made me upset that she was doing this. Yeah. And even people that knew her were saying that she's done these kinds of weird things before. Nice. But this was by far the weirdest thing. And I was like, why why is she getting away with it? And that just made me upset that I, I she would know, do babes. that. It just gave Yeah, I just couldn't I just couldn't believe she would do that. <laughs> yeah. You I I'm sure you've heard about that. Yes, I, it was a big thing. Yeah, and and yeah, like what would possess her to pour um the amount of bleach in her eyes cuz that that could really kill you. I guess so. I never thought of it that way. And it, it sounds painful. Is she part of a blindness organization or no? I do not know. I only know her first name. I don't know her full name. She went by two names, actually. Yeah, I heard about this from a friend 
after he went to national convention for the NFB. Can I can I can I say the name on here because she's, she's I guess already... I mean it's public, so go ahead. Uh she went by Amber and she also went by Jewel. Amber. Yeah, Amber. Yes. I don't know her other I don't know her last name or anything, but but you heard about this at the NFB convention? No. Well, I was just about to say, babes. Yeah. A friend of mine went there, came back and was discussing it with me. So I guess it came up wow. at the convention. What did he think about that? I don't think anybody thought it was normal. It definitely isn't normal. No. Yeah. But I'm wondering if she's involved with the MFB now. I don't know. I I hope she isn't. Um, just because it just she got she would she would have been involved under false pretenses, um, pretending like she wanted to be blind and then actually making it so that she was somewhat blind. I don't know. It just sounds very very off to me it does that she would um you know she would compromise her vision and then join a blind organization that's just kind of strange to me yeah i would assume most people feel that way besides uh -huh. for amber amber yeah i believe amber. that's her name it's just it's just very very strange to yes. me that somebody would do that i agree there little jewel yeah yes so I mentioned it the other day that, at least I think I did, I'm going to be interviewing mm -hmm. my great aunt about family history. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there's any questions you think that I should ask. I have no idea what to, what you should ask. Um, I don't know anything much about your family except for... Uh, little bits and pieces that you're willing to tell me because I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe you told me too much. I, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know what you should ask. When uh, luckily this is on my mom's side of the family because it feels like whenever I ask questions about my dad's side, I regret doing it. Hmm. There's always like this other dark secret, and you think it couldn't get any worse, but it does, and then you think it's not going to get any worse, and it does again. So. Yeah, but, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of families have dark secrets that they're not willing to talk about. Yeah, but eventually there's, like, an end to the dark secrets. It yeah. doesn't just, like, keep going on and on and on every time you ask questions. Yeah. Um, I will say, judging by what you told me about your dad's side of the family, and then, and when I mean your dad's side, I mean your um, your dad um, in general, yeah. specifically. Uh, sounds like there's a lot of things going on that I don't really want to know. I get that everybody has skeletons in their closet. Yeah. But not everybody has so many skeletons to where the door's about to just, like, break open. And you, you can't keep track of them the there's so them. many. Exactly. And that, that shouldn't be happening. I hope not, babes. I hope not either. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think that you should... Maybe start with smaller questions, general questions, and then work your way up to some of the bigger ones that you've been thinking about. Mm -hmm. How are you? That's a small one. That'll be my opening. How list. are you? <laughs> oh, wow. How are you? How are you? Yeah. I think I'll start with something a little bit more substantial. Like, tell me about your parents. What's your name? When did stuff. you, you know, where did you, well, you know, you know, basically where, um, she grew up. But, yeah. But yeah. this is for my nephew who may not have that information too. Or who may not want it. 
Well, it's going to be his choice when he's older, babes. I know. You or know. or somebody else will listen to it. Mm-hmm. Did you just fart? Pubs. That's a yes, right? Stop it. Okay, is that a no? Oh, what, babe? Oh, what's that smell? Pubs, stop it. It wasn't like I did it on purpose. Oh. And by the way, I've caught you doing that a couple times. When? One, it's very, very rare. No, I think it was last week. Actually, real. I don't remember this. Yeah. How? It might have been on your way back from the bathroom or to the bathroom, and then I heard a. Well, how do you know that that wasn't something with your ears? Well, you were the only man. You were the only man in the house with me, Bubs. Who else would it be? I don't know. Maybe I slipped on something. <laughs> Maybe you misheard it. What would you slip on a banana peel? I don't, I don't know, babes. But uh, I think sometimes you tell very tall tales. Mm. <laughs> What's that for? You're the bear of tall tales, Babooey. Oh my goodness, what do you, you think I'm doing? You try to tell tall tales about Yale. Oh, right, give me a kiss. When did, when did I tell a tall tale about you? Oh, I. All the time we try to think of a tall tale. Oh Most likely you'll probably tell tall tales about me tonight. Uh, okay. Bubs, you don't do that. I won't be very happy with that. Oh. I'm just saying. Oh. Yeah. No, but you definitely fart more than I do. Bubs. But I burp more than you do, so. Oh, bubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're the one with the GI problem. Oh, my goodness. Older people really like talking about their butts, I've noticed. Older and their people? farts and, you know, their bowel movements, it seems like. I think it's more their bowel movements and that they need to take more Metamucil or yeah. um, they need to take more fiber. Well, we all need to, to um, put more fiber in our diet so that we can go um easily yeah but older people it's like oh i need to increase my fiber intake it's like i really don't care yeah you just take care of it we don't need to hear about it exactly you do you or smell it i feel bad you know what i feel bad for the people that have to have colostomy bags i do too that sounds like a horrible horrible way to live yeah urostomy or colostomy bags i would hate to have something like that i would too yeah and you have alzheimer's and all that stuff diabetes and yep and you've got gout and blindness and you used to be white but now you're black for some reason oh my goodness Uh, yes what else what else what else what else (laughs) 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 i love you I love <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous about tonight. I'm I think I'm more nervous about what's gonna happen later after the party because yeah. Yeah, we're not gonna stay there too long because my friend who got us the tickets to see um what's her name? Siren songs. Siren said song. that we should show up early and I know that the doors open at six. Yeah. So it's gonna be, you know we go to the party. Say, hey, maybe grab some grub and then we bounce. I don't want to leave too too shortly. Yeah, I mean, but we, we, have to... we don't want to be there so long that we can't get into the other show, babes. No, I know. I get it. I mean, I mean, if we if anyway, we, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. But yeah, it'll be I'm, one of those things where I'm like, babes, it's going to be. I don't want to go. Yeah, Bob, I'm bored, but what's your game? Bob's. <laughs> no, I'm not those kinds of ladies that. I'm not the kind of lady that will just say, okay, we're going to go now, and then we don't go until like an hour later. Nice. My mom used to do that all the time. It was really annoying. That's common with moms, I think, in like, general. Okay, can you guys get ready? We're going to go. You said that like half an hour ago. 
Okay, well, we're going to go now. But you said that like an hour ago. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's annoying. But anyway. It is. It is. How old were you when your mom stopped spanking you? I can't remember. I might have been. I don't even know. I mean, I didn't get spanked every single day, but I got spanked when I was little. I don't remember how old I was when she stopped it. I'm sure I'm sure it might have been 12, 11. I don't know. Oh, do I really you, don't know. Do you remember what happened the last time you got a spanking? No, because it was so long ago. Oh. I I was, I, I'm telling you, I was, I was one of those kids that didn't want to get in trouble at all. I tried to stay out of it. Nice. I got in trouble, but I didn't get into as much trouble as my other sisters did. That's good there, little J-Wall. That'll be good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they would tell you that I would try to kind of stay out of their arguments and nice. stay out of being grounded. And nice, nice. I don't think, I don't even remember a time that I was grounded, to tell, tell you the truth. That's good. I remember once, I might have told this here before, so I'll make it quick. I went hiking with a friend of mine and this girl he was interested in. And I think I told my mom I'd be back by like three or four or something. And he got back the next day, right? I got back at like midnight. Yeah. And and, and so I get home. They leave. My mom calls and says, you got to call his mom and tell him what happened. Blah, 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 blah. Get mm -hmm. off the phone. I decided to take a hit from the bong at the time. And not call. But my mom calls back and she's like, did you call? And I said, yes. And she's like, I talked to her. You didn't call. And I'm like, I guess I didn't call. <laughs> she's like, I, and I had a girlfriend at the time, babe. So my mom said, you're not allowed to see her this Sunday. And I just said, okay. Because <laughs> I was high. And I hung up the phone. And like five minutes later, my mom called back. And she's like, I'm mad at you. But I guess I maybe overreacted a little bit. But don't do that again. No, if I was... If I was your mother, I would um, I would definitely stick to it. Uh -oh. You're not seeing her on Sunday, and you have to call his mom. I would, I wouldn't. Uh, that sounds very inconsistent. I got to see my girlfriend that Sunday, and I didn't even have to call the mom, and I got to smoke some weed. Mm. What, babes? This wasn't last week. Okay. This was like in two thousand. I just think it's funny that every time you talk about an experience like that, oh, I had to get a hit from the bong. All right, well, give me a kiss. No. Why do you think that's funny? See, it's not I'm funny. Like, you just said I think it's funny. No, I, 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 okay, maybe, maybe, maybe the word wasn't funny. Maybe it was something else. All right, well, give me a kiss. Or maybe I shouldn't have said funny. Rather. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm guessing this is like April of two thousand. Oh. Yes. <laughs> July twenty twenty. Um, that sounds very inconsistent. Yeah, and by uh, the end of the night, I'm just like, all right, I got out of that one. And my uh, mom told me, sorry, my mom told me that she was upset because she got in an argument with one of her friends earlier in the day. And that's why she overreacted. She's like, sorry, I overreacted. And I was like, all right, mom, but next time you really got to think about this stuff. I, I wouldn't, I, I would have been like, I probably would have been even harder on you, bubs. Uh oh, what would you have done, babes? I wouldn't let you see your best friend. I wouldn't let you see your girlfriend. And uh, I would ground you for a week. Uh-oh. A whole entire week. And then I could see my girlfriend. Or maybe even two weeks, for that matter. Really? Yeah. Uh -oh. And after that, I could and see And I'd throw my away all your drugs. Uh-oh. I'd throw away all of it. I'd flush it down the toilet, and I would say, you are not allowed to bring this stuff in my house. Really? Yep. Wow. I would, I would be very, very strict with you. 
Aren't you glad I'm not your mother? I'm very glad you're not my mother. And not just because of some of the fantasies. That's ah! even weirder. Ew! <laughs> Ew! I don't want to think about that, bub. Very good there. Kind of gross. Uh-uh. But I got to keep the drugs and all that good stuff. Yeah, but your mom was weird. Oh, yeah? You said Even you said she was weird. No, she was out there. Yeah. And by drugs, you just mean weed, so. Mm. What? Ow! What was that for? <laughs> just because. <laughs> yes, because. <laughs> yes, because. Ow! All right, give me a kiss then. So we can end this tickle war. Okay, but no, I'm a little nervous about later tonight. I am too. Mm. But we're going to do it and see what happens and, you know. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, at least we tried. Yeah, at least we gave it a shot. Yeah. And that'll be a good story to tell your friend. Exactly, and to talk about here. Yeah. Alana was arrested. Yay. No, I doubt that's going to happen. Mm. No, no, that will not happen, babes. No, especially, yeah, especially since, um, you know. Yes. <laughs> I wrote back my friend. She responded to my email yesterday, and I just wrote back, awesome. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, was that just too short of an answer? But I think that's okay. I think it's okay. Nice. Well, cool. At least, you know, at least she knows that you got it. Yeah, and then I'm, you know, alive and well. Oh, my goodness. What? Of course she knows you're alive and well. You responded to her. There we go. There, little Jay. Love. What? Oh, you're shitty. I'm silly and so are you. No, you are. Oh, my yes. goodness. I slept really good last night. As did I. I was out. Yes. I was gone. Gone, gone. I w it, was a, it was a busy day yesterday. And by the time we both got here, it was, I was, we were both really full. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, you know, after the whole day was done, I was just, really really exhausted nice and it, you know it, every time i'm ending a term of any kind i always feel a little bit anxious and i get stressed out and tired and and after all that for the last term it's like oh finally i can i can uh breathe for a little bit <laughs> yeah you know i can rest a little bit from all that work um, and it isn't like it's, it, it, of course, it's not like it was college because college is a lot more stressful, but this was still a little bit stressful mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And on Tuesday, we'll do noon tunes, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, noon tunes. Yes. Yes, and all that good stuff. Was there one time when we went to um, noon tunes before and the um, the person didn't show up? Yes. Yeah, that was, right? We were supposed to see LaRonda Steele. And they delayed her show by like four hours or something. And we couldn't stay that long because my mom was here. And yeah, and that's when she started talking to my then friend about Jesus and whatnot. I had to talk to her about that because it's so embarrassing when I have to, um, you know, tell her that you know, the, you know, just to not do that because I think if I, I think if I tell her beforehand, before we go somewhere, please don't talk to these people about such and such. And, you know, it's, it's really, you know, don't, don't open that door when it's not open. Yes. Um, I don't know how she's going to receive that, but 
it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it really is embarrassing. And sometimes I don't think she realizes it, you know, what she, what she does sometimes. It's, it is really embarrassing. But anyway, besides that, um, yeah, yeah. Didn't you say that they didn't really, um, they didn't really do a good job of, um, posting, uh, whether or not, uh, artists are going to make it. This was during the near the end of the pandemic. Yeah. And in fairness, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure if it was part of the Noon Tune series, but there was another series that they were doing in the pandemic. I think it was called like the Polka Dot thing, Polka Dot series. And yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. The way I think it worked was they had all these polka dots around town where people could stand or sit sit down yeah. while there was a performance. Yeah, because this was like a couple years ago. Yes, this was yeah. in 2021. It started near the beginning of the pandemic. And I kept wondering when I found out about it in 2021, why I didn't hear about it sooner. And I kind of realized very quickly that I think the reason was because a lot of their shows were kind of put together half-assed, where people would show up late or they'd get performers who weren't really used to doing live stuff before. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there was the silence. Yeah, yeah. I have no comment. Okay. Well, it sounded like it wasn't very. It wasn't planned very well either. That's what I just said. Yeah, the polka dots thing. Did you did you see what they looked like? Yeah, they're like giant polka dots, basically. So uh -huh. when me, your mom, and my then buddy were sitting down, there was like a giant circle beneath our feet. That kind of looked like a polka dot. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't notice that. Yes. His dog was really nice, too. She was. She just wanted to say hi to everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I thought that guy was really interesting. And then I talked to somebody else who felt the same way and said that as time went on, they were convinced that this person was actually leading a pretty boring life. And I never got a good ex explanation about why that was. Yeah, and then and then you were hearing about health conditions and things like that, right? Something like that. He was like having that. some health conditions. And then I find out later on that he moved to a different state from this one lady who um, used to live in the same apartment building as him. And I thought it was kind of weird that she was willing to fly to where he was yeah. to help him like label stuff. I'm like, that's the kind of thing that relatives would do. Exactly. And if you're just labeling things, you could get somebody else. Uh-huh. Because he moved to Austin, which yes, I get it's the South, but they do have some resources there. Yeah, they do. They have they have blind resources there in Texas. Um he could have easily gotten resources there, but this lady was kind of strange. I don't know. He, he she was telling me that she thought of him as a son, and I'm thinking, I don't know about that. No. I don't know how old this lady was, but um, it didn't seem to me because I, um, because she was talking to him and I kind of heard his voice on the other line. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't tell you that. No. Um, she, I don't believe she had any earbuds in, but she was talking to him on the phone and saying, hey, I'm going to fly down there to, to see you and help you out. And um, it didn't seem like he was invested in the friendship or whatever. Mm. It almost seemed like he was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> but she was all gung-ho about it. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Wow. But whatever. Yeah. 
I don't understand it. People do their own thing. I'm not going to ask any more questions. I just think it's very strange. It is. Yeah. (laughs) And I was kind of wondering what the um, what the age gap was, but I didn't ask. Oh, good. I was just I just thought it was very strange, and I also wondered if he was still dating that one girl. I don't know. Because he was dating a professor. Wow. Yeah. But then apparently they barely seen each other though. They saw each other often enough. Okay. The word on the street was that he was with other people too, but I don't know if that's true or not because mm-hmm. things can get jumbled and, you know, people yeah. talk, but they don't always talk the truth, so. Yeah, or they're just, like, telling you what they want to tell you. and Exactly. They don't, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to disclose everything. And that's fair. So, no, that was very strange. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, here's a question. Mm-hmm. When it comes to your social circle, do you like being the person that everybody comes to with their secrets? Or do you like it when you're more in the dark about certain things? Because I've discovered with me mm-hmm. that it's fun at first when people come to you and tell you things that they don't want other people to know. But when it becomes a habit, yeah, sometimes it gets a little bit annoying and yet, at the same time, when I'm the last person to know something, it kind of feels like, why did everybody get to know this before me? That ha- that's happened to me with my family, actually. Tell both me. things. And, it, it, you know, I mean, it's one thing if friends are telling me secrets or whatever, because I, I have no problem keeping secrets. But when it's happened to me where I've been in the dark about, oh, so, so-and-so is getting married or so-and-so got married or so-and-so is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Why didn't anybody tell me that? I, I mean, what am I supposed to ask, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, I'd like to keep in con, I, you know, I'd like to keep, um, I like to be in the know about what's going on, but not wanting to know everything. But at the same time, like important things, like there were times where I didn't know that somebody was getting married or they got married or they were thinking about getting married. Um, and there were other times where relatives have come to me complaining about other relatives and at the same, and it's, and it's, like so that's all that they do. They'll complain about the same relative, and they'll never um, come to grips with their their issues with this relative because they don't want to tell them. They'll tell me instead, and I've had to, you know, I've had to tell them, "Hey, look, um, I'm tired of being the one to hear about this when you're not willing to do anything about it." You know, it 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 it, it really. It's annoying and it really kind of weighs on on me because I have to keep the secret and I'm tired of it being repeated over and over and over to me. Does that make sense? I hear you. And it's like, well, if you really have a problem with this person, why don't you go and tell them why you have a problem with them and stop telling me about it because I, I know. Mm-hmm. I've heard it. A bunch of times and I don't need to I don't I mean, you know what am I supposed to do about it it, it really is annoying yeah yeah I appreciate that they they are willing to come to me about it but it's like I can't um I can't be you know having this on my shoulders yes all the time I'm not like I shouldn't be the family counselor or the counselor to every friend that I've got I don't know you know what I mean? I hear you. There must be something that we're, we're, I don't know. There must be some 
reason why people like to tell us these things. Mm -hmm. At first, I thought it was just the blindness thing, right? Because you know that when sighted people see blind folk, oftentimes it's like they're getting a free therapist. Exactly. But when your blind friends start to tell you stuff, you wonder, there's something more to this than just that. Maybe it's because they feel like they they trust us enough to um, know that we're not going to blab it to somebody else. Maybe. But still, it really does weigh heavy on me sometimes. When I was talking to my uncle the other day, some family stuff came up, which I would talk about, but something tells me I probably shouldn't. Yeah. And, you know, we're just discussing this stuff. And he says, yeah, whatever you do, don't tell me any intimate secrets. It'll be out there pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I know the people in my family that I couldn't tell anything to because they would just blab it to anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. And it would no longer be a secret. Yes. And I know the people that wouldn't. But there are some people that have problems in my family with them um, gossiping. And I just, as I've gotten older, I really am, I really don't like gossip at all. and it's And it's hard to find... The fine line between a gossip and a vent. I will tell you this. Yeah. I have had issues with gossiping before, which probably doesn't surprise you because I love good gossip. Yeah. It's just something about me. Yeah. So I realize that that's something I have to work on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's a reason why people shouldn't tell me too many dark secrets about themselves. Mm. Yes. But 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 trying to find a fine line between venting and gossiping because sometimes you do have to vent. Mm-hmm. But there are people that vent and vent and vent, and it just sounds more like gossip, and they don't want to do anything about the problem. Yes, and I just can't. I I I can't stand it. I wonder where that word gossip came from. I don't know. I like it though. Gossip. Yeah. We're there was a, it. there was a series called Gossip Girl that I didn't watch. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yes. Gossip girl. Gossip girl. Yeah, I heard it was pretty big. Yeah, wheel big. It was all over wheel TV. Yeah. But I just, I mean, when I vent about things, I vent and then it's like I don't want to talk about it for a long time. Mm. But I've known people that will just gossip about anybody and everyone, even, even if I don't even know the person. Sometimes I'm just like, I just want to tell them to shut up already and yes. I don't really need to know all this information that you know because it's not my business. You know what I mean? I hear you, babes. Yeah. Yes. This might fall under gossip or venting. I'm not sure. Okay. But we're going to the party this evening. hmm And maybe about Eight months before we met, mm-hmm. I'm over at my buddy's place, the one who's having the party. Yes. And we're doing our thing. It's late at night. And his wife and her friend, who's now deceased, come mm-hmm. back to the house with this couple. Mm-hmm. And... The, a, a couple that they've known for a while? I guess so. Okay. A couple that the friend knew for a while. Okay. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know how they knew these fools. The women go into one room and this guy would just not stop talking about how he's been in this love relationship for 32 months and or 36 months or whatever the hell it was. And he just kept bringing it up. So it was like a good three years in. At that point. Yeah. Right. I don't know what it is now. Okay. I could do the math, but I'm too busy. 
and I just keeps going on about the last 32 months or 36 months or whatever, or 38 months or however long it had been. Wow. And it's going on and on and on and on. So was, was he happy or was he just annoyed or? I think he was just like, it's one of those things where a lot of guys will have the mentality of it's me and my girl against the rest of the world. So yeah, it's like one like, of those things. We're just like the only people in the world and that really matter. Yeah. yeah. And everybody is out to persecute us or whatever. Wow. Okay. So time goes by. The friend of the wife passes away and we're not going to go into all the details. Yeah. And the couple who she knew ends up moving to Portland Mm-hmm. And my friend becomes friends with them. And I'm even, I, and I've told my friend a couple of times, this couple is weird. You don't have to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know. And <laughs> I'm thinking today, <laughs> when we go there, are we going to have to deal with that one dude? I, I actually know the guy a little bit more than the wife, only because I didn't hear the wife talking about the relationship so much. Oh, 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 but luckily, gonna... we're not going to be there forever. Wait, were they married or were they? I don't know. I'm just going to say yes, but what do I know? Okay. Yes. But but they were. Um, you're you're assuming that they were married at the time. I'm just going to assume that yes. Okay. But I could be wrong. Well, there are going to be quite a bit of people, from what we understand. So yeah, we might not have to deal with them, and we can just you know um, talk to a few people and play with the dogs. Yeah. Exactly. Because you said that they have some some really nice dogs. They do. Well, at least one of them. Um, we'll leave. I know. Yes. One of them I know, and the other one I've never met yet. Good. The the seventy five pound one, right? Something like that. Yeah. Aw. There we go. There, little J Wall. Very cute. Yes. Very cute. There, little J Wall. I think it's really cute when dogs are meeting people for the first time. And they're like, ooh, new people. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> the dogs might not even come up to us just because there's going to be so many folks there. You think so? I don't know. I've been to parties where there was a lot of people and the dog still came up to the first person. Oh, but we're not going to be the first people there. I know, but, you know, as dogs do, they like to greet whoever comes into the door, so. I hear you, but I don't know if that's going to happen this time. We'll see. We'll see there, little Jim. They might be put in kennels. I don't know. I don't know, babes. Yeah. Time will tell. Time will kill. Yeah. Oh my goodness, stop it. It sounds creepy. Okay, I didn't know. I love Uh, you, but I creepy. I love you too, babes. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. I love you. I love you. Babes, Mm -hmm. last night we had some wild cherry Pepsi. Bubs. Yeah. Could you stop the fake Southern accents? I don't know. (laughs) I love you, but stop it. Yeah, I was glad that I finally had... um, found um a couple of 20 ounce wild cherry pepsis and they were pretty good mm-hmm. and we're drinking them at one point you stop for a little while yeah because for a while i'm like am i thirsty maybe i should stop for a minute and then i decided to um continue on to me if i'm opening it i'm gonna finish it okay so i continue drinking and at one point you bring yours back out and start drinking it yeah it was good yeah yeah yes and after that after that we go to the bedroom and start watching a film by Elia Kazan, who ruined his career, but that's a whole different story. Yeah. This is before that. Mm-hmm. The film is called Gentleman's Agreement. Wow. There's so many things to say about this film. It was good. Now, moving on to our next movie. Bubs. <laughs> no, just joking, babe. Come on. No, no. G- give the overview, if you will. So, the basic premise is there's a, a man named... Um, 
Phil Green, who, um, I guess he is a reporter for a newspaper, but he always used his middle name, Skylar Green, uh, which is his writing name. Uh, but he notices that there is a big problem with anti-Semitism. May, may I stop you real quick? What? couple of things. He's been a reporter, but he just gets hired at this new newspaper, and I believe New York, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. And his editor suggests that he do something on the anti-Semitism. It's a, it's a big problem. Yes. Okay. And he lives in a house with his young son and his, his mother, uh, and he uh, is a widower because his wife dies. Mm-hmm. He starts a relationship with the daughter of the editor, correct? She's related to him somehow. Yeah, I, I think she's his niece, but don't quote me on that either. Uh, Kathy Minifee. Yes. And, you know, Kathy is a divorcee, which is kind of strange because back then in the 40s, they didn't talk about divorce a lot. Mm-hmm. It was uh, basically taboo, honestly. Um, but she was a divorcee, and she didn't have any children. And she starts a, a relationship with, with Phil Green. And... He's trying to think of how he wants to do a story on anti-Semitism. So he decides on a whim and he tells his mother this. I know what I'll do. I'll just tell people that I'm Jewish. Oy vey. Oy vey. Now he doesn't dress up in Jewish garb. He doesn't read the Torah. He doesn't partake in any Jewish festivals or eat any Jewish foods. But he just starts telling people that he's Jewish Mm -hmm. to see how people would react um, who is that one woman, Elaine Wells? She was hired to be his secretary. Mm-hmm. And because he's new at the company, she doesn't know that he's not actually Jewish because she's hired after he decides to take this assignment. And we find out that she shortened her name because she's Jewish. And she tried to get a job at this company with her real name and they wouldn't hire her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually like that they, it comes up again in the movie, but they don't make it to such a big thing to where this is about him bringing down his own publishing company, Mm -hmm. because I was afraid for a second that that's what the film was going to turn into, which would have been interesting, but I'm glad that they didn't go that route because that would have been too easy in a lot of ways. And so he was, he was becoming more and more incensed about anti-Semitism and especially Mm -hmm how Elaine was handling it because she would, you know, she would refer to herself as um, some of the um, uh, derogatory names that Jews are called. Not exactly. Right? Here's... Well, I wasn't... You're close. I was close, but I wasn't finished. Go on. Okay. What had happened was, after they make a big deal about there not being enough people on the staff who are Jewish, the editor agrees to hire secretaries who are and they put out the word he goes to his office and elaine says well i hope they don't have any they don't hire any of these types of jews yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. and then that's how it started off with that conversation about well you know why are you um why are you okay with this and she's like well it's not a big deal i mean jews do it all the time yeah and this is going to hopefully not sound too over-the-top mean. Mm-hmm. I kind of get what Elaine was saying, and here's why. Because 
I'm a part of a minority group, and I'm not talking about Filipinos right now, babes. <laughs> I, talk, I knew what you're talking I'm about. I'm referring to being blind. And there's competent blind people, and then there's those other blind folks who, you know. They need to get out more. Yeah, and I know that that goes against the spirit of what the movie was trying to say, but I guess what I'm trying to indicate is that every group has its members who fit stereotypes that make the other members of the group look bad. I get it. I don't know that she came off um, expressing it the way that I probably would have expressed it. Yeah. But um, I get where you're coming from. I don't agree with what she did, though. That's fair. Yeah. And I understand where um, why Phil would be upset with this. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now moving on. Um, Kathy... Um, doesn't know about what angle he's taking for this report. And so he decides, okay, so I'm going to tell my mother. I'm also going to tell the Minifees, which also includes his editor. Um, and so he's, he's kind of nervous to tell Kathy because he doesn't know how she's going to react. Mm-hmm. He does tell Kathy, but she ends up telling her sister and brother-in-law and they're not too happy with it well they can accept it that they know that he's writing a story but it's implied that it might be more of a thing if they didn't know that he was actually a gentile yeah they were thinking okay well um they they were accepting that he was that he was going to say he's jewish yes but had they actually thought that he really was Jewish and not just saying it for a story, it's implied that there would have been some tension in -hmm. the family. And Kathy didn't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And he was getting very frustrated, which I get. Uh, I mean, she was, she was making it worse. I think you would agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, And then there's this friend named Dave who is actually Jewish, but he's the kind of person that's like, well, I guess this is the way it is. And I don't need to fight anymore because I'm kind of indifferent. Dave is a war hero who comes to stay with the family. And they were old friends. They went back to like grade school together. Or something. Yep. And they start having conversations, Gregory Peck and Dave about anti-Semitism. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. Remember when they went to that party and he was talking to the scientists? Um, yes. And he said, you know, I always wondered why Jews think the way that they do and why um, Jews um want to say that it's more um racial than religious mm-hmm. or religious and racial um and and why they get those two mixed up because a Jew um is religiously Jewish but they're also racially Jewish too or culturally right and cultu- culturally Jewish yes uh Christians are different because you can be born into a Christian home and not be a Christian. Yeah, and there's no, like, Christian race. There's no, there a Christian isn't. religion. There's a Christian religion um, in general, but there is, you can't be ethnically Christian. No. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, but you you can be born a, a Gentile. Um, I was. I was too. Anyway. Um, We're going to start another podcast called The Gentle Gentiles. Oh, my goodness. Keep going, babes. <sighs> strange we're not gonna do that anyway um 
So I thought that was kind of interesting how the scientist was was trying to find these things out. And I don't think we ever what we ever uh, see him again in the other scenes. Right? Just one scene. Just that one scene. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, um, there's this lady named Anne who's hanging out with Dave. Dave has a wife and kids in California that are are wanting to come to New York. It's implied that Dave and Anne are seeing each other. And I really like that because you do? here's why. Okay. You don't see a lot of infidelity in movies of that era. And if you do, somebody has to be punished for it. Yeah. Like Anne would have to die or Dave would have to realize how much he ruined with his wife. But instead, in this film, it's just realized or accepted rather that this is a fling. They're going to enjoy their time together and then they're going to go back to their lives. And nothing's really going to come of it. And it's not like Anne got into a horrible car accident at the end. And and he didn't get her pregnant. Yeah, or Dave's train exploded or anything. Yeah. They have their time together. And then they go back. Not to not being happy with not each not that we're uh, condoning affairs, but this is just how what how it happened in the movie. It's a unique take for that period of time. Yeah, go ahead. So in this in this case, this this movie is almost risque for its time. Oh, it was very risque for yeah. its time. In fact, the heads of all the other major studios tried to prevent it from getting released. Well, I'm glad that it did get released. You know that story, right? No. But but, but we're, we're getting off track here. You want to know that? I'll, I'll tell you that story after you finish okay. the recap. So, uh, um, uh. so they're having conversations and um, Phil and Kathy get into an argument because Jane and Harry, um, her husband, are having a party and she's thinking that maybe he shouldn't go to the party because... Of what's going on with the story. At the fact that he's... That they know that he isn't Jewish and other people don't know that he isn't Jewish. Uh, what do you like to add to that part? At the party, your girl... Kathy. Kathy asks her sister Jane, well, why aren't so-and-so here? And what about this couple and that couple? And a lot of people showed up, but there was a fair amount of excuses for why certain people weren't there. Yeah. And you can read between the lines of why. Yep. And that happens a lot in this movie, which is interesting. It's not just the racism of no Jews allowed. It's the subtle racism of, well, you know, it wouldn't really be appropriate for you to be in this situation. Yeah. I've heard certain things about your people. Yeah. And I like that. Some of it is... Right out in the open, but mostly, with a few exceptions, it's below the surface. It's definitely covert. In a lot of cases. Of yeah. Time. And so, um, it, you know, Kathy takes Kathy takes him out away from the people. They go to this house that's off, off the property, right? That Kathy designed that for Kathy her designed and her first husband. For, for, for her and her first husband. And she's thinking, you know... It's a couple days before our wedding. I really want us to live here. I think we'd be very happy, you know, if 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 Tommy, his son's name was Tommy, if Tommy were my son, I would love him. And then they get into this argument about how, well, how could you be, you know, how could you possibly understand because you're you're a, you're a white American and you're a Gentile. Um you know, you you should be 
you know, why why aren't you enraged about this? Because real quick, what? I don't think that happens when she's showing him the house. Okay, I skipped over something. Okay. But this is happens like after the party. I'm I think it's after the party. What I think you're thinking of is yeah. the scene where Tommy comes in and he's upset because the kids wouldn't allow Yes. Yes. Because he, because they're calling him a dirty Jew and all these names because they think he's Jewish. Mm -hmm. Because the story is coming out. Well, no, the story the, isn't coming out the story yet. Story isn't coming out yet. But yet. they needed to put on a front. Yeah. And Tommy's dad basically says, "Tell the kids that I'm kind of Jewish." Yeah. And that's that used to exclude him from playing some games. Right. Yes. Yeah. Tell them. Tell them that. Uh. Tell them that I kind of. I. I told you what the story was. And and Tommy's crying, and your girl basically rushes to tell him that he's not Jewish. Yeah, it's, yeah. And she's not my girl, bub. She's just Kathy. Okay, Kathy, cool. So, um, that's when they had that huge argument. Yes. You know, say, and, and she's saying, basically, you know, I, I hate it as much as you do, and I hate that you're doing it at this angle. Mm -hmm. I hate that you're... You're telling people that you're Jewish when you're not because that's what hypocrites do. I mean, she was she was making it worse, the problem a lot worse than it should have been. Yeah, I get Gregory Peck's point because I'm pretty sure this is after he returned from where they were supposed to go in honeymoon. And yeah, flew him in, yeah. Yeah, he couldn't get a room there because he was open about the fact, or I guess not a fact, but he was open that he was Jewish yep. to them. Yeah. And so they wouldn't let him stay, so he had to leave. Yep. I get him being upset. Yeah. And I get him yelling at Kathy. Yeah. But I also think that he could have probably talked to her in a better way instead of just yelling at her, maybe sitting her down and trying to explain to her why this is wrong. Yeah. And trying to explain to her why he's frustrated because uh, Kathy's among the people that are really nice people, but they don't want to do anything about it because they don't want to uh, upset the apple cart. Exactly. And it is frustrating. And, and so, um, they end up breaking up and this is like right before their wedding, they break up, uh, Anne tells Phil to go to her house and I'm thinking, oh wow, she's a flirt. Why is she asking him there? <laughs> and uh, tell tell us about that part. By this time, the article has come out, mm -hmm. or is is coming out. Is it coming out, and everybody at the newspaper knows the truth. Yeah. And she basically says, you know, I I think you're wrong on certain things, and not everybody is this bad, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, his friend Dave yep. meets up with Kathy. And she tells a story about how she was listening to somebody tell a joke about Jewish people. Yeah. And she was very upset. And Dave asked, well, what did you do? And she's like, I nothing. Anything. I did nothing. I did nothing, yeah. And Dave handles it in a more professional manner yeah. than Gregory Peck did. He yeah. kind of explains to her, well, you know, <laughs> you could always stand up. And, mm -hmm. you know, you don't just have to, like, not do anything. Yeah, it, it seemed to me, though, that Dave seemed very kind of indifferent to all of it. But also that's because Dave had lived with being Jewish for his entire life. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually an interesting scene where Gregory Peck and Dave are talking. And mm -hmm. Gregory Peck's talking about all this injustice. And Dave says, 
you're experiencing it more intensely because you're not used to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, and he's, he's not a Jew himself. So yeah, there's only a couple scenes of real overt racism. One is the scene at the, uh, fu- uh, not funeral, the, um, honeymoon spot where they're supposed to go and he gets kicked out for being Jewish. Another one mm-hmm. is when Dave is in his GI uniform and he's talking to um it was either Kathy or the other one. Yeah. And somebody comes up and says, I don't like officers and I don't like Jewish officers. He called him a yid. Oh that's what he did. Yeah. Okay. He called him a yid and then um and then somebody got in between him and was like, you, you have to excuse him. Yeah. You know. This is this is not what you know. He shouldn't be doing this. You have to excuse him or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. So yeah. after Dave has that interaction with Kathy, comes to the house, and Gregory Peck just was talking with his mom. The mom read some of the article and said, "You know, now I want to live to be an old lady to see to how see people come to, together to see pro- progress." Yeah, and then. Um, he goes to Cat. Uh, he goes to Kathy's place. Well, wait a second. Wait. Before he does that, Dave comes in and he's yeah. supposed to leave the next day. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a job and he has to go back to be with the wife and kids. Yeah. He makes a phone call to somebody who wanted him to take employment and says, "I'll do it." And he says, "Kathy said that we could stay at her place." And she's not going to worry about what her neighbors say. Right. And then Gregory Peck goes over to Kathy's and, place. Yeah. They embrace the movie ends. And it, and it's implied that they get back together. Yes. So. God. Interesting. I still think that A Face in the Crowd is Aaliyah Kazan's best film. Okay. But I think this is a very close second. The, yeah. Yeah. A Face in the Crowd was great. And it definitely shows Andy Griffith's, uh, another side of Andy Griffith you don't see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a crazy musician. Lonesome uh, Roads. Lonesome Roads, yes. Yes. But um but this one it really makes you think. Really, really makes you think. It does. I'm glad that and uh, oh by the way, tell the story about how it almost didn't get released. Okay, so here's what happened. I saw this story in a documentary in like the nineties, so I hope I'm getting it right. So they shot the film. And it was made at 20th Century Fox. Word is getting around Hollywood that there's this new movie about anti-Semitism. And it's really, really powerful. And the heads of all the other studios want to see it. Mm -hmm. Hollywood studio executives at that time, a lot of them were Jewish. Mm -hmm. And we could go into the, the reasons why. But it was basically because Jews couldn't get work in this country at the turn of the century because of anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and a lot of different fields. Mm-hmm. So they went into the film business. And even though this was made in 47, not at the mm-hmm. turn of the century, by then yeah. there were still a lot of executives from the old days around. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Daryl Zanuck, running 20th Century Fox, sets up a screening for the other executives at the other movie studios. Yeah. The story is they saw the film and were embarrassed that they didn't make a movie like this. Wow. And they offered Zanuck a lot of money. It might have been a million dollars. It might have been millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of film, a lot of money to destroy the film and wow. not release it. And Daryl Zanuck said, no, this film deserves to be out there. 
And you guys should have made something about this earlier, but you didn't. But we're putting this out. Mm-hmm. Now, how much of this story is true versus urban legend? I don't know, but it it rings true to me. Oh, wow. It seems like something that would have happened in old Hollywood. Wow. What do you think about that? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe they didn't want to release it because of um, the attitudes about Jewish people back then. Well... Maybe, but you also have to remember this is right after World War II. Yeah. And America had an interesting relationship with Jews at that point because mm-hmm. World War II gets mm-hmm. us out of the Depression. Yeah. And it also makes us look like the good guys to most of the world. Mm-hmm. So, and World War II wouldn't have happened without a lot of anti Semitism. Well, yeah, because uh, what was going on was um, with uh, with Hitler's reign. Yes. Yeah. And at the same time in this country, you could still go to certain areas like beaches and see signs that would say no dogs or Jews allowed. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was very complicated at that time. Anti-Semitism was definitely around, but it was people had mixed feelings about it. Which I think is representative in a lot of the characters who just stand by and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to um, address the, the um, aspect of it. when I, And I mentioned it to you last night that there is an organization called the International Fellowship for Christians and Jews. Okay. And it recognizes that their um, anti-Semitism um, and the Holocaust, especially um, what happened with the... Um, Holocaust survivors and their mission is to help elderly Holocaust survivors who are um, starving because they're living in a uh, cold Russia in the winter time or e- even in um, Israel. And they're either trying to get them back to, um, to live in Israel or to provide them uh, food and clothes, uh, some clothes like gloves or socks or um, um, food for the month because they can't afford to buy themselves food and they're not able to, um, you know, tend to their gardens like they used to because mm-hmm. they're so old. So um, I think it's it's good that there are organizations like that that are um, standing by these Holocaust survivors and um, that they actually escaped, um, they escaped uh, Hitler's regime. And I think it's kind of, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What does this film teach us about anti-Semitism? Or what did it teach you? Um, It isn't enough to tell people that they are Jewish, for, Jewish, for example, to um, fix a problem. Um, and it is a big problem. It's still a big problem in, in, um, in, in other ways here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it does help to speak out against the problem, to join organizations that, um, want to help the problem, um, to donate to causes that are against anti-Semitism. It isn't just enough to write a story and, and be, um, and tell people that you're Jewish for eight months. Although I do understand where he's coming from with that. Yeah. He wanted to understand it. And that is a step in the right direction, but I don't think it does enough. No. Yeah. 
how does this experience change Gregory Peck? I mean, I guess his character. I would hope that it changed him um, a lot because especially since remember when Dave was talking about us, what they do to shake people up is they get to their kids. Mm -hmm. And he talked about in the article, I know what it's like coming home and seeing that my, my kid has been shaken up about this and how they've um, treated my, my son because they thought he was Jewish. Um, and, and in the beginning of the movie, little, little Dean Stockwell, when he was little before he joined the mob, Oh my goodness. Didn't know anything about anti-Semitism. Right. And he was like, what, what is that? And I'm glad that Phil did not, um, did not, um, shield Tommy from it. He had to explain it to him because it happened to him. Yeah. And I hope he told Mercedes rule about this experience. Wah, wah, wah. It was an Italian mob though. Well, he wasn't really Jewish. He was Italian. Dean Stockwell? No, I don't know. Oh. His character. Oh. I don't know, babes. I don't know. Really I know. don't know. What do you think of Kathy? See, there's different forms of prejudice and there's different forms of people who feed into that. She's definitely not the worst offender. No. I don't see her as a bad person as much as I think that she's ignorant. She... she I don't think she's a bad person either. I just think she's very frustrating to me. Mm. Because it's one thing if somebody's out in the open saying that they're a total racist or a total Nazi or whatever. But it's frustrating if there's people who are against anti-Semitism, but they're not willing to put in the work to fight for it. Mm -hmm. And they're not willing to speak out against it. They're just willing to watch idly by while somebody else does it. It's very frustrating. She just frustrated me, and she wasn't making a situation worse. I mean, she wasn't making the situation better. She was making it worse in some ways. I think at the beginning, but one could make the argument that at the end of the movie, she grows. And it's not one thing. It's a bunch of different stuff that happens. But the culmination is her conversation with Dave. Yeah, and maybe she did grow. I'm not saying that she didn't grow, but her character in general just just frustrated me. Mm. What do you think of the mom? Um, you know, I thought she was kind of like the calm after the the, the calm during the storm. I think that she um I think she knew the risks that Phil was going to get into, but she supported him and and she was already an older woman and she was dealing with dealing with her own health conditions. But mm -hmm. I think in some ways she was kind of like the soft place to fall. If that makes any sense. I agree. Yeah. When watching a film like this or a face in the crowd, mm -hmm. it makes me wonder what would have happened if Aliyah Kazan didn't ruin his career mm. uh, by testifying during the Red Scare and naming names. Right. Yeah. And we'll never know. <sighs> and it's odd that he went from making a movie like this to doing something like that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But who am I to say what pressure the man was under when he named names? Yeah. Yes. Maybe he was under um, immense pressure. I'm sure he was. Yeah. I don't know if that makes that right, though. 
No, I don't know that it does either, but it's hard to say, really. What do you think of Gregory Peck after watching this movie? Um, I respect him for taking the time to understand a different religion and a different culture. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I respect him more because he didn't shield Tommy from everything. He was willing to talk to Tommy age appropriately, of course. Sure. About anti-Semitism, which is a very, very, very big um, issue. And because it happened to him, he was willing to talk to his son about it. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and he tried. He tried to understand it. And he really felt um, even more impassioned to do something about it. Is there anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, very well done. I thought the um, I thought all of the people did a very good job. There was never a point when I was watching this film where I thought, I'm seeing something that I can't believe. I believed every minute of it. And and I think Anne was the character that surprised me the most mm -hmm. because I thought, nah, eh, you know, that's Dave's girl at the time, and <clears throat> I thought she wasn't someone to take seriously until she had that conversation with Phil near the end of the film. Yeah. 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 I thought that was great that, that they um, put that in there. So before mm -hmm. Phil goes and has a confrontation at the resorts, mm -hmm. we know that he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And Dave basically says something like every Jewish person has to do this at some point of their life. Mm -hmm. Look somebody in the eye who's guilty of anti-Semitism. Yep. Right. Again, I'm paraphrasing his words, but we get yeah. the point. Yeah, I think it's what he basically said. Do you think that that has to happen in the blind community where at some point every blind person has to confront somebody who's mistreating them based on their blindness? And if so, what's an early memory of you doing something like that? Mm. I have a hard time with that. Okay. Because there are times where I wish I would have done something and I didn't know how to do it because... I've only met that person one time. Oh. Right? Yes. And and so I'm a little bit more gracious to them. It's even harder when it's in my family and I'm I've been trying to um educate them, but some of them just will not will not understand. Because I've learned that there are people that just they're always going I mean, unless they want to change, you can't really do anything about how they react mm -hmm. in the family anyway. Now I've been around blind people that have been super rude to people that just didn't understand them. And I don't want to be that way either. Right. Because there's a wrong way to do it and there's a right way to do it. There is a wrong way to do it where you're just rude to people that are are rude to you, but they don't get it. Or you have an... Because I've been thinking about having honest conversations when people say things like, Oh, I'm really sorry you're blind. Or, Oh, um, you look like a normal person. You know, yeah. and, and as condescending as it sounds and as frustrating and really annoying as it is, sometimes I thought about asking them, well, why do you think like that? Why do you um, feel like I'm supposed to be an ugly, decrepit person? You know, is that is that your or, or asking them, like, honestly, is that your perception of blind people and who taught you that perception? That makes sense. You know, because I don't want to ever make somebody feel horrible after they just, you know, saw me. 
You know, I, I want them to know that I want, you know, I want to be the kind of person that's willing to listen to them and because I want them to listen to me too. Yes. Um, but I always thought about having conversations with them like, why did you, why do you feel like that? Why do you have a perception? Is it because you were never taught um, about blindness or because you've never been around people that were blind? Or that you've been around the stereotypical blind people before? Yeah, because and and then talk to them because uh, talk to them and say I I know of people like that and it's frustrating to me too. Yes. So having a an honest conversation with people that don't understand, I think, is a step in the in the right direction. Instead of treating them really rudely and just expecting them to know what to do, which doesn't help either, because they're not going to understand it. Yes. You know. Well, Well, in fact, this happened to me on the bus with a certain person. Won't mention her name, but this happened about a couple days ago. We just happened to be on the same uh, van together. And the driver, I honestly think the driver was being helpful, but I think in some ways he didn't understand. And she kind of, um, it felt like she kind of bit his head off like, oh, um, Instead of saying, oh, um, that's okay, I can do this myself, because he's trying to help her find a seatbelt. She was saying, no, 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 I I, I really can do it myself, right? And it, and it came off kind of rude mm. and a little bit like she was being short with him. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, give this guy a break. He might actually be new at this. Yeah. You can't expect him to understand that you know what you're doing. Exactly. You have to actually handle it with grace and treat him as if he really is learning the ropes because he he might have been. And I understand her frustration. At the same time, you kind of have to meet them halfway. That makes sense. Be willing to understand where he's coming from too as much as you want him to understand where you're coming from. Don't be a jerk about it. And I thought that she was. Oh. I mean, I didn't tell her that, but I thought that she wasn't being very nice to him. And sometimes maybe, you know, maybe I should think about confronting blind people themselves and saying, hey, look, you got to give this person some slack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, good. But I haven't done that yet, so (laughs) that's something I need to think about. Nice. What do you think about what I just said? I could dig it. Okay. Yeah. I don't really know if I have anything else to add to it, though. Okay. Yes. Babes. Yeah? What would you give this film on a scale from 1 to 10? Oh, wow. Um, it definitely an 8. I think it would even be close to a 9. Nice. Because it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's hard to say. I think between an 8 and a 9. I'd say an 8 and a half. Yeah. Yes. I'd say that, too. Yes. Would you recommend it to your family? If so, what do you say about it? Well, I'm not one to give pitches, but I honestly think that this would be something for them to think about. Mm. Even if they didn't know who um, Eli Kazan was. Yeah, or Gregory Peck. Or Gregory Peck. I think that or this, Dean Stockwell. Yeah. I think they would really, it would really make them think about it. Yes. Well, good. Is there any last statements about this movie, or do you feel like we covered uh, it? Lot? I think we covered a lot, actually. You said everything you wanted to say about it? Yeah. All right, well, give me a kiss then. Why? Because you need one. Okay, segue kiss. Segue kiss. Mm. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness.
There's a film that we've been wanting to watch for a while. Yep. Called Make Way for Tomorrow. I'm so glad that you were able to find it. Yeah, it's officially not on any streaming sites. And I don't even think that you could buy it off of YouTube or iTunes or anything like that. So mm -hmm. we had to resort to some other means to get it. Yeah. Uh, and I just burped. Which we won't mention uh, here. No. Mm. Even though we just did. Kind of. Yes. All right. So film it comes out in 1937. Starts off. We see a house. It's around the holidays. And a bunch of these adults are coming to visit their parents. They're talking. Laughing. The dad wants to tell them something. The mom wants him to wait, but he says, no, we got to do this now. And the dad's name was? Uh, Bart. Bart and Lucy. Bart I thought, Cooper. For some reason, I thought it was Bart. It was Bart Cooper. So they have uh, two boys um, and three girls, but the other girl is in California. Yes. All right. So Bart, who even though I think it's Bart, Alana says it's Bart. It's Bart. She's good with names, so we're going to go with that one. Mm. So, tells the kids that... He hasn't been working for four years, which they already know, but that the house is going to be taken away. And he was given six months. He was hoping something would come through, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. So they got to be out by Tuesday. Mm -hmm. the kids don't know what to do. They're talking about it. One of them decides to take Lucy. The other one decides to take Bart. Mm -hmm. And which I never understood. I didn't know why they had to separate the two, but I digress. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. I have thoughts about that. Yeah. But we'll get there when we get there. So Lucy goes to live with, I'm guessing, their oldest son. Uh, George. George, who seems like he's doing pretty well in life. He has a nice penthouse apartment. He has an, a nice wife and a daughter. And a daughter who's disrespectful to her grandmother. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yes. And a maid. And, and yeah. And the granddaughter stops bringing her friends around because she's embarrassed about Lucy. Or I guess Lucy takes up the conversation all the time. Yeah. They have to share a room together. I would not want to share a room with, my, with uh, another relative, though. No, especially not with one where there's that much of an age difference. Uh-huh. Yes. It's not a good idea. But she does it. Yeah. The wife is somebody who has these bridge classes. Yep. And, and that's how them. she makes her uh, money. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. She does a class one night. Lucy comes out and is just sort of like hanging around. And it's cute for like a minute. Then it becomes a distraction. Yep. So the mom or wife, however you want to call it, like the tells wife. the youngest da the daughter, yep. I want you to take your grandmother out. I want you to take her to the movie. Yes. They go. Yes. Lucy's sitting in the theater at first. The granddaughter leaves, goes off with some guy, comes back before the end of the movie. And sees, then she's asking the lady that was um, at the theater. Exactly. What happened in the film. But Lucy had already gotten out of the theater and saw the granddaughter get out of the car. And they're talking about it. And yep. Lucy's like, I'm not going to say anything. Your secret's safe with me. Yep. Okay. Go back to the apartment. Life continues happening. And we see Bart... Hanging out with this older dude at yep. this convenience store. Mm -hmm. I forgot the guy's name. Um, his name was Max. Yeah, and he's um he's the owner, I think, of the store, right? 
that's the impression I got. Now, Max is around Bart's age, but we get the sense that life has been a little bit kinder to Max. Yep. Because he still has his wife, he has a source of income, all yeah. that good stuff. And and Bart is uh, writing this letter to uh, his wife, Lucy. Not exactly. Here's what's going on. Can <sighs> you tell the story? Okay, go on. Bart is sitting in this chair in the middle of the store, and he's kvitzing with uh, Max. Yeah. Yes. And Bart had a letter mm-hmm. from his wife. Oh, the letter from his wife. I'm sorry. But he can't read it. Max told him about this lawyer who might want to hire some caretakers for this property. Mm-hmm. Bart's unsure about it. Max reads the letter, and it's basically implying that the mother-in-law is trying to get Lucy to move into a decrepit old folks' home. Sister, the daughter-in-law. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. And it's so disturbing that Max doesn't even want to finish reading the letter. And he just starts to to cry. Yeah. yeah. Bart takes the letter, leaves the store. Max looks at his own wife and is happy, all that stuff. His wife is Sarah, and and it's funny because Max is like, Sarah, come here a minute, and and I just want to look at you. And she's like, you want to look at me? They have other things to do. And he's like... I just want to make sure you're here. Yeah. It's really sad. Yes, it is. But Bart writes Lucy a letter basically saying, I got a lead on a job. I might be able to get us back together. Mm -hmm. Lucy's reading this and she's happy until their smart-ass granddaughter comes in the room and explains, Grandma, you're old. So is Grandpa. There's no way he could get a job. Mm -hmm. And Lucy's like, just let me have this fantasy. (laughs) The granddaughter is going out to meet with some 35-year-old. Now she's, she's 17. Around 17. Which in, in our day now, it would be considered statutory rape. Yeah, but back then, it was a little bit strange, but... Yeah. They, 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 they married really young, too, so... Yeah. She's missing the next day, the granddaughter is. Yep. And finally, Lucy tells her daughter-in-law what's been going on right with the granddaughter and everything and she's mad she gets over it eventually granddaughter comes home and we don't exactly know what happened but she's okay Uh okay a little bit more time goes by and there's mail lucy goes over and looks at it and there's a letter from the old folks home Mm -hmm. and she knows that something's gonna happen with her and it ain't gonna be fun Mm -hmm. but she decides to make it easy the granddaughter and daughter-in-law go into a separate room she's having this conversation with her son and she says i need to tell you something Mm -hmm. i have decided i want to go into the decrepit old folks home so i can be around people my own age now she doesn't phrase it quite like that yeah yeah but he's, you know, he's like, oh, oh, mom. Because the daughter, but the daughter was making it sound like the, the old folks' home was a better place for her. Yeah, but they had gone there. Yeah. And yeah. they'd seen it for, yeah, themselves. Yeah. Now we should also say that Bart is getting sick. Yep. And the daughter he's living with is kind of a bitch, to put it nicely. Not nicely. Um. So so Cora, is the one taking care of her father max comes over with a bowl of uh chicken soup that his wife made 
and Cora is very rude, telling her dad that he can't eat that. She doesn't know what's in it, and Max and her kind of get into it for a minute. And well, she was terrible. She was terrible. She was. Eventually, he leaves, but you could tell that he cared for Bart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're allowed to spend one last day together because basically what happened is Bart's getting better, but the diagnosis is that he can't take the rough weather on, I believe, the East Coast. Yep. So he's going to have to go and move in with his with, daughter with in daughter California. daughter in California, yep. Okay. Bart and Lucy get one last afternoon together. And there's a part when they see each other that I love mm -hmm. because it feels like me. Yeah. And that is Lucy starts lecturing Bart because he's spending so much time looking at his watch. And she yeah. just says, we have five hours together. Let's enjoy them. Yeah. They go to the park. They're looking at different things. They go into a store. They see a sign that says, start saving money when you're young. Or yeah. Something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And Bart's like, I wish somebody would have said that uh, when we could have used it. Yeah. They go looking at these cars. One of the salesmen thinks these people are old. They probably have a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And he drives them. They say, we want to go to this hotel because it's where we went to when we first got married 50 mm -hmm. years ago. They get out. They start to understand that he thought that he was going to make a sale, but the dude's nice about it. Mm -hmm. They go into the hotel, head to the bar after talking to the person at the front desk about it. You know, we stayed here 50 years ago. Yep. And they try to explain to um, the um, the uh, the person at the front desk, like, what they did on their honeymoon. And it was really funny because they each got the, the days wrong. It was more later on when yeah, the owner on. of the hotel comes. Yeah. Okay. Sit at the bar. Bart orders a drink and he wants his girl to have one too. Because I guess when they first came there, ladies didn't drink. And we see a woman just like downing a shot of something. Yeah. They get two old fashions. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of ignoring the fact that they're supposed to be back to dinner with their kids. Mm -hmm. And they're enjoying themselves. At one point, Bart goes to the telephone, calls his daughter, is talking, says something, and then hangs up. She gets a sense that they're not coming back for dinner. Mm -hmm. They hang out. They go up to dance, and the band starts playing this high tempo number, but the conductor sees Bart and Lucy struggling. More Bart. And he says, oh, he doesn't say this, but they play a more down-tempo song. Mm -hmm. and it's being broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, because back in the day, radio stations used to do that. They'd broadcast from hotels and different venues. Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And they dance a little bit, but then they kind of head away. And they're walking around the city. We see the kids talking about how they miss this roast and mm -hmm. the so-and-so made and aren't yeah. we bad kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'm partially thinking, oh, they're going to find a way to keep the parents together. Yeah. But instead, Bart and Lucy head to the train station. They say their goodbyes and how much they love each other. They kiss. Bart goes into the train. Waves to Lucy, see waves back, and it's kind of walking aside the train for a minute. Train pulls away, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. That was such a sad ending. That was very sad. There were a lot yeah. of scenes in this movie where I almost started tearing up. That's so sad. Yeah. It was very, very sad. And you, you had to feel for this couple because first they were separated for, from each other for about three months. Yeah, that's all it was supposed to be. 
yeah, all that it was supposed to be. And then she finds out that um, he can, um, he should be moving to California and living with their um, other daughter who can't take the both of them in. And she decides, okay, well, if he's going to move to California, maybe it's best that I move into the old folks home. But I'm not going to tell him. And I don't want you to tell him. That's what she tells really, her really sad. Yeah. 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 Because even though Lucy's really old, and we found out that the actress who played her was only 48 at the time. We thought, wow, she we was, thought really she was like 90. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We get the sense that she is still a little bit more active than Bart is. Mm-hmm. And when we're watching this movie, part of me is thinking, why don't these kids chip in and get them a one-bedroom apartment? Yeah, or at least like a room in a in a hotel for a while to to help them out for for a little bit. Apartment would have been cheaper. Apartment would have been cheaper, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. But they didn't even do that because they were thinking, well, who's going to take who and how inconvenient is this for us? And we've already have families and it's like they're not really thinking about what the parents are going through. Right. Yeah. And I think in a lot of families some younger uh their their younger uh kids even though they're they're well into adulthood don't really sit there and think about well what it, what is my mom or what is my dad going through it feels like nobody dreams of being Bart and Lucy to where you have this marriage you're happy and in your final years or months you're separated and have to live on different coasts mm-hmm that's not the ideal fantasy of how you want your life to end. Nope. No, not at all. And I bet they weren't thinking, well, you know, that we have to now move out of this house because the bank owns it. Yeah. And you can tell that Bart has his issues. Yeah. These days, maybe it would be diagnosed as Alzheimer's or something else. But he's definitely not all there, but he's not all gone either. Nope. He's kind of in the middle. Yeah, because... Why wouldn't he say something to his kids earlier when he knows that he has six months to prepare for leaving his house? Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's because he's not thinking straight. Yeah. And his wife doesn't really want to accept that. Yeah. And her realizing that she has to tell her son that she wants to move into the old folks' home is her acceptance that things are pretty much over with her and her husband because of age. Just so sad. It really is, and she and you can tell by the way that she accepted it. Like she doesn't want to accept it, but it's, it's a way it has to be mm-hmm. for them. And she said, "Well, it's better that he's not knowing because it could kill. It could kill him even quicker." Yeah, yeah. It's really sad. It's a very sad movie. Yeah, but there are laughs in it, though. Yes, there are. So it's not just down, down, down all the way through. I did not like Rhoda's character. I thought she was very disrespectful to her grandmama. Yeah. Back in my day, that would have gotten me slapped across the face, babes. Yeah, same here. But kids these days. Yeah, but she was an older kid. No, I know. I'm joking. I know. But anyway, uh, and and that definitely was a risky, a risky time, too, because kids acted differently towards adults back then. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that was my tummy. I know. And it's a really interesting commentary on the depression. Mm-hmm. So the separation starts because the house is taken away. Mm-hmm. The kids don't even think to try to get them an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's hard for me to contextualize, but what do you think this film teaches us about the depression? It was a very uncertain time mm-hmm. and, it, and it would, and it probably was a very lonely time and people were, people were um, rationing things off and, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen in the future. And I think about what happened to us three years ago and how older people, you know, older couples, some of them were not even able to, to um, spend their last years together. Yeah. That happened with my grandparents. Yeah. That happened with um, a reporter whose um, whose in-laws could not um, die in the same nursing home together, and they ended up dying separately. Mm. It was really, really sad. And this happened in New York under um, Andrew Cuomo. Oh. It was really horrible. And, I, and um, how people should have been allowed to have um, to have physical touch. And, and how physical touch is so important. And, and somebody actually being there... Stop it. I thought physical touch was important. So it I is important. But I mean, I mean just, just having a human being next to you. Yeah. Ooh, that's my tummy again. Yes. It's so important. And, and a lot of that was taken away from people. Yes. And people were not uh, allowed to die with somebody they knew uh, by, the, by their side. Or even had a funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, it was very, and it made me think about that. And I'm like, can you just imagine you spend 50 years with somebody in marriage and you can't, you can't be with them for the remaining years of their life Yeah, because of that. And again, the, the depression thing is hard for me to contextualize because in this yeah. movie, it's. It's not seen, but it is, right? So it's seen in the sense that they lose their house. Mm -hmm. And we get the sense that it's because of the depression. But yet, outside of that, everything is is opulent. Like, uh, Lucy's staying with her son who has a penthouse. They go to this very nice hotel at the end of the movie. They're driven around in this super cool car, Mm -hmm. right? But yet we know that this is also about the depression, because they wouldn't have lost their house, mm-hmm. assuming that th- that this film had come out 10 years later. Yeah. But it came out during the Depression. Yeah. And that affects it. It's a shadow over the film, which it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, I mean, that had to be. And we were talking about how it it, it might have been for an old person in the 30s. It yeah. must have been horrible. Mm-hmm. You know. Imagine you're born... During the time of horses and buggies, you live your life, maybe even born like during the Civil War. Although I think these characters were born like right after it, like a couple years removed. Mm -hmm. And the last years of your life after raising your kids are supposed to be fun ones, but you lose your house. Yeah. That must have been insane. Yep. I know. What does this film teach us? about how we treat both older couples in society and older individuals. Well, unfortunately, there I mean even in our standards today, older people are not revered. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. Um when you think about older veterans, some people do not revere them. When you think about grandchildren and their relationships with their their relationships with their grandparents, they're not always revered. It's very sad. 
or um, how it's an anomaly to some people that older couples have been married for over 50 years. Yeah. Because marriage right now in general, um, sad to say, is not taken seriously. And that um, younger, uh, the younger generation of um, uh, the younger generation of that couple don't seem to be in touch with what the older couple is feeling. You mean their kids? Their kids, yes. The kids, the kids of whatever older couple, they don't seem to be in touch with what the older couple is going through. I wonder how this film was perceived when it first came out. Yeah, me too. I bet it must have been crazy to see it in the theater. And it's so insane that the young people back then are pretty much dead now. Yeah, they are. Yeah. All of them pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. How much longer do you think Bart lives after this movie? Not very long. I'm guessing maybe six months. Yeah. And I don't think Lucy makes it to a year. Oh, that's interesting. You might be right because he's going into that decrepit nursing home. Yeah, and it has to be a... I mean, going into a home like that, I bet their morale is is really low. Yeah. Because they have to work there and there's a lot of people dying and, you know, it's not exactly a sunny place to live. I don't know the history of nursing homes. Yeah. But I've heard people say that in other countries and up until... Well, for a long period of time in this country, older people would just sort of stay in the house with their kids Mm -hmm. and you'd have a multi-generational home. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing this was near the end of that. Mm. So that also makes me wonder when people who maybe weren't as old as Bart and Lucy when this film came out, but they were getting there Mm -hmm. when they saw this film, did they think, you know, back in our day, our grandparents would just live with us. And now we got to think about being separated from the rest yeah. of the family. Yeah. But I I mean, coming from a family that's pretty close knit, I don't think that my grandma would be able to survive in a nursing home. Mm. I don't think that's what she would want to do. I think she'd rather be around with her family. And if it was when it was time for her to go, I would imagine that she would want to die around her family and not in some nursing home where she doesn't know anybody. Right. And it's sad. It, it really is. Because um, I've talked to Americans who really do think that um, it's, 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 it's sad to think that uh, people would just drop their elderly um, mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters at nursing homes and expect them to take care of them. Because they you don't, they don't always get the best care. No, they don't. Some... Some uh, older patients are abused physically. Sometimes they have uh, bed sores if they're bedridden and they're not being taken care of with the, the care that they would get from their family. Oh, sorry. It's okay. It's really, it's really sad to think about that. Yeah. Why do you think the daughter is so mean to Bart? Um, I think it's because she has her own agenda. Hmm. I'm talking about Cora. Yeah. I think she she believes that she knows what's best for her father because she's been um she grew up with her father and she thinks she knows it and and she very well may know a lot but she's not even giving 
his friend a chance to give him um, a bowl of soup mm-hmm. that his wife made. And it sounds like he's still in love with his wife. And she says, you know, when my Sarah makes, you know, when I, my Sarah makes a soup, she, she does a really good job with it. Basically what she said. And she wasn't even going to give him a chance. Like, it's almost like she thought that he poisoned the soup. Yeah. And I don't think that was right. But she was rude to her dad even before that happened. She was. She was very rude to him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, an example of how um, the younger generation, that family, just was not in touch with the old generation, I think. Mm. They just did not have any idea about how they wanted things. It's very sad. Yeah. I think one of the reasons, I shouldn't say I think, I I know, a big reason why this movie was so sad to me is because I don't want to become Bart when I'm older. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would rather die than for that to happen. Mm. I, I mean, I don't want to be one of those older people that never lives life and doesn't do anything anymore and is so decrepit that they can't, they can't do anything and they just, just sit there and, um, it, it's a sad situation. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great movie. You could, and I wanted to mention, oh, you could on. really, you could really tell that they loved each other in yeah. the movie, the couple. This is another film where there's not a part in it where I thought this is fake. Mm-hmm. I bought completely into the reality of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, so sad at the end. It is. I think Nellie tried to help, but I don't think she knew how to do it either. Yeah. And it just seemed, I don't know about the other brother, Robert, but George seemed to be the only one that really knew what the parents wanted mm. because he was the oldest. Yeah. I'm guessing. That's my thought. Yeah. But yeah, it's, just, it's a good movie, but very sad. Exactly. And I'm surprised it doesn't get talked about that much. Yeah. What would you give it on a scale from 1 to 10? That is really hard because they're really close together with um they're they're close when it comes to movies with um uh, with Make Way for Tomorrow and Gentlemen's Agreement. I like Make Way to, for Tomorrow more, but it's very close. It is. Yeah. I I don't know how. I think I'd give them both eight and a half. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't tell which one is better, honestly. That scene at the train station is one that's going to stick with me for a long time. And when she said, I forgot what he said, but when she said, and if I never see you again, I just want to say thank you for those 50 years. Yeah. Oh, really really makes you want to you know hug and um you know hug the people that you love because you never know mm-hmm. it, it really it really makes you think about time it does too that will not be us i'll kill myself before i let that happen Uh oh don't do that please. and then i'll let you eat my body ew what no you can fry it up babes you don't have to eat me raw Bubs. Stop it. Okay. Don't don't think about nonsense like that. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. Would you recommend this to your family? If so, what do you say about it? You know how I am with fever pitch or or, or not fever pitches, but um pitches elevator, pitches. elevator pitches. I don't do those things. Oh. 
I would just say that this is another movie um, to think about when you're thinking about like um, the affairs of an older person. Yeah. Really, really think about it. It's interesting commentary on the depression and how we treat uh, elderly people in our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I do believe that there are people that really do value elderly people and how precious they are. Mm. But there are people that think that elderly people are expendable. Yes. And it's sad. It is. It's sad to me. It's sad to me to think that people still think that the, that the elderly have no use in society. And it was sad looking at Bart, too. Like, when they're going into the hotel, like, we know that they're going to have fun there. But we also know this is their last night of some form of freedom, really. Mm-hmm. And we know that Bart's struggling with stuff, that, but we don't really know exactly what it is. Not just physical things, but mental. There's some mental stuff there, for sure. Yeah, it's possible he was going through some dementia. Mm-hmm. And that he may not... Oh, I, I just thought about something. He may not remember her. Yeah, I think it's early, though, the mm-hmm. dementia stuff, if it yeah. is that. Yeah. So... But again, I also don't get the sense that he's going to live for long because of other health stuff and because he's not around his wife who he loves so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie, babes. Great movie. Yes. Well, and then the more, and then I think people, I think people should really think about, um, to not separate the couple, not separate their, their mother and father if they're still alive. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a horrible thing to do to a couple. Yeah. In their old age, just to separate them for months at a time. Yes. It's hard for any couple, but for an older couple especially. I would agree. Yeah. Yes. Because they need that that time together. They need physical contact. Mm-hmm. Very good there, little Jable. Very good there. Yeah. Yes. Good movie. Very sad. Yes. I would say borderline great. Yes. Yes. Or great, actually. Yes, it is great. And at one point we're watching it and the sound goes out for a second. Mm -hmm. And I'm really concerned because there's like no other way I could think of to get this movie. Mm -hmm. But luckily it came back and it was only a couple seconds. Yep, it was good. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Very good there, little J-Wall. Really good there. Any dreams? No. Okay. I did dream, but I can't remember any of them. Okay, well, I didn't. Okay, good. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, No, I think I need a nap, though. Okay. A little nap. Yeah. What about you? I could go for that. Okay. Maybe we should kiss and wrap it up. Uh, okay. I'm going to pee before I take a nap. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right, babes. All right, well. Is there anything else you want to say? Until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.